This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here's our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. You really get this feeling of the under the influence of when it's used in Revelation 2.20, Revelation 2.20 to talk about Jezebel. It says, Jezebel, which calls herself a prophetess, to teach and to planeo, to seduce my servants to commit fornication. And you read that, you can't help but think about Samson, who was seduced by Delilah. And after he was seduced, he lost his strength, he lost his sight, and he lost his service to God as her Lord shaved his head and gouged out his eyes and then put him in prison. Very, very terrible picture of what planeo seduction is all about. So by using this word planeo, the Sadducees, Christ is telling them, you've come under the seductive influence of deception. And then with this pinpoint precision, He doesn't go down the road with them trying to decide which wife she's gonna be of the seven, but he then takes them right back to the point where they were thinking that she's gonna be somebody's wife in the resurrection, and he tells them, right here is where you left the right road of interpreting the scriptures. You left the right road of knowing the scriptures. He takes them right back to that place of the where the all we like sheep have gone astray. He takes them back there. This is right here. And he says in verse 29, you do err not knowing the scriptures. You do err not knowing the scriptures. It's really important for us to see how a person cannot know the scriptures and the power of God, how, so we avoid it ourselves. That's why it's so important because we wanna make sure that we know the scriptures and the power of God. We wanna dissect out, dissect out to see what the Sadducees did to have this terrible statement made about them, you do err not knowing the scriptures nor the power of God. I'm afraid of that. I'm afraid of falling into that pit. Uh, The pit is verse 29, verse 29, you do err not knowing the scriptures. 
In case you haven't noticed, I write down every word I'm gonna say before I get up in front of you, stand up in front of you, every word I'm saying to you, I've written out on paper. That's why I come here with 34 pages of paper. Today is 35, by the way. I write out my whole script beforehand. Why do I do that? People say to me, you go too fast over points. I need you to slow down. Well, that's because I've already been there before. So I'm just mo moving along. Why I write down every word before I get up is not because I don't know how to talk. Believe me, wind me up, I never stop talking. It's not because I have stage fright. I don't have stage fright. I was raised a Jewish boy by a Jewish mother, and Jewish mothers all tell their boys, you're above average, you're a genius. So I don't have trouble talking. But I write down my whole script for one reason, so I can look at each word beforehand and think about it and evaluate it to make sure I'm not falling in the trap of verse 29, you do err not knowing the scriptures nor the power of God. So what did the Sadducees do to put them into this terrible state? Well, first of all, they were thinking for themselves when they said in verse 28, therefore in the resurrection whose wife shall should be of the seven. They asked that question because they were thinking, but it's good to think. It's good to think Christ is gonna make a point to them in verses 31 and 32 that you have to think a lot about to see his point about what God said to Moses in the burning bush. There are a lot of Bible teachers who don't lead people to think for themselves through the Bible. They simply just repeat the same old cliches and then they trigger the people. All the people said and everybody says, amen. And there are a lot of Bible teachers who say, don't think through the Bible, just memorize it, memorize the cliches, but don't think, that's wrong. God wants us to think through the scriptures. The scriptures are full of wonderful thoughts, like jewels in a mine. And we dig those jewels out through thought, by thinking, like the hymn puts it, thy word is like a deep, deep mine, with jewels rich and rare, are hidden in its mighty depths for every searcher there. Oh, may I love thy precious word, may I explore the mine. And we explore the mind of God's word by thinking, you know, I really like those old episodes of Gunsmoke or Bonanza, you know, and we have those gold mines and you see the people out there digging with the picks and the shovels and it's, 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 it's nice to watch, you know, it's better than being there with all the dust and the dirt and everything. Anyway, I try to spark people to, to give them a desire to think through the scriptures. I'm trying to stir up an interest in people picking up the pick and shovel of thinking and going into the deep, deep mine of scriptures to find out the, those jewels rich and rare. But the Sadducees had done some wrong thinking through the scriptures, and the question is, what did they do wrong in their thinking? Well, first, when you see how they concluded from this account of the woman with the seven husbands that there must be no resurrection, you can see where you would have thought that there's no resurrection of the account unless you wouldn't have thought that, unless you were looking for an argument to show there is no resurrection. I mean, the way that the Sadducees are introduced to us is the key here. It's very important going back up to verse 23 when it says the Sadducees which say there is no resurrection. Right from that description, the Bible has branded the Sadducees with the brand that says, Sadducee says there is no resurrection. This is what made a Sadducee a Sadducee. A Sadducee says there is no resurrection. If you say there's no resurrection, you can be a Sadducee. 
But if you with an open mind see in the scriptures that there is a resurrection and you believe there is a resurrection, guess what? You cannot be a Sadducee. Why? Because of verse 23. Verse 23, the Sadducees say there is no resurrection. That means if you are committed to saying that there is no resurrection, you can be a Sadducee. But if you are not committed to saying that there is no resurrection, you cannot be a Sadducee because, verse 23, the Sadducees say there is no resurrection. That means that the overriding identity of a Sadducee is verse 23, the Sadducees say there is no resurrection. That means that all the Sadducees were interested in, in their life, in the scriptures, was evidence that there was no resurrection. That's how the Sadducees erred in not knowing the scriptures. They only saw the scriptures in those things which say that there is no resurrection. If you're a Sadducee, you're constantly under the pressure to see in life and in the scriptures there's no resurrection because, verse 23, the Sadducees say there's no resurrection, that's all. And that could mean that in the morning, when you saw a Sadducee and you met the Sadducee, you might greet him and say, good morning, there is no resurrection. And he would say, good morning, amen, there's no resurrection. Because, verse 23, the Sadducees say there is no resurrection. The Sadducees are not the only group with this pressure. The Sadducees say there is no resurrection. You can't be a Sadducee if you, if you say there is a resurrection. The presence of the pressure of the Sadducee group will keep you in line, believing that there is no resurrection. Jehovah Witnesses say that Jesus Christ is not God. You cannot be a Jehovah Witness if you say that Jesus Christ is God. The pressure of the Jehovah Witnesses group will keep you in line believing that Jesus Christ is not God. I told you, when I applied for Israeli citizenship as a Jew, under the right of return, I was asked if I believed that Jesus Christ was God or the Son of God, and I was told that because I did, I was no longer a Jew because I believed that Jesus Christ was God. So that means Jews do not believe that Jesus Christ is God. You cannot be a Jew if you believe in Jesus Christ. The pressure of the Jewish group will keep you in line not believing in Jesus Christ. That's like the person who was asked one time, we're talking about groups, that's like the person who was asked one time, are you a Christian? And the man replied, heavens no, I'm a Baptist. <laughs> when people ask me, what denomination are you? I say, I'm David's denomination, there is no such thing. And I explained to him, David's denomination is Psalm 119.63. Psalm 119.63, I'm a companion of all them that fear thee and of them that keep thy precepts. So the Sadducees went astray by putting on Sadducee rose-colored glasses and they saw in the scriptures through the tint of those glasses there is no resurrection. So in order to not go astray from the scriptures, you cannot come to the scriptures with a preconceived belief as the Sadducees did that there is no resurrection. In order to not go astray, when you come to the Bible, you have to come with an open hand stretched out to God and you say, Lord, take my hand. Take my hand and you say the words of Psalm 25, 5. Psalm 25, verse five, lead me in thy truth. Teach me, for thou art the God of my salvation. On thee do I wait all the day long. Three words in Psalm 25, verse five that are very important to guide us through the scriptures. First, lead me. We ask God to lead us into the truth of the scriptures. Second, teach us, show us what we don't know. Third, I wait. We are patient and willing to wait for God to lead and teach us scriptures. What's important for us in these three positions of lead me, teach me, and wait 
is when we come to know the scriptures, we're not doing this in a vacuum. We have the benefit of the help of the author. The author, and who said in Proverbs 123, Proverbs 123, I will pour out my spirit unto you, I will make known my words unto you. God's spirit, the Holy Spirit, is a real person, and he helps us understand the truths of the scriptures. As a matter of fact, Jesus called the Holy Spirit the spirit of truth in John 16, 13. John 16, 13, howbeit when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. In order for us to know the scriptures, we need the person of the Holy Spirit of truth to lead us and guide us. But he doesn't come without being asked for, he said in Luke eleven thirteen. Jesus said in Luke eleven thirteen. if you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? So it's all in how we come to the scriptures. That's what it's all about. Knowing the scriptures is all how we come to the scriptures. If we come to the scriptures hungry to be fed, Luke 4.4, Luke 4.4, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. If we come to the scriptures hungry to be fed, and when we have been fed by the scriptures, then we know the scriptures. If we come to the scriptures dirty to be cleansed, John 15, three, John 15, three, now you are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. If we come to the scriptures dirty to be fed, and when we have been cleansed by the scriptures, then we've known the scriptures. If we come to the scriptures restless to find peace, Acts 10, 36, Acts 10, 36, the word which God sent unto the children of Israel preaching peace by Jesus Christ. If we come to the scriptures restless to find peace, and when we have found peace, in the scriptures, then we've known the scriptures. If we come to the scriptures lonely to find Christ, Colossians 3.16, Colossians 3.16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. When we found Christ in the scriptures giving us peace, then we've known the scriptures. If we come to the scriptures, scriptures grieved and sorrowful to find comfort, Romans 15.4, Romans 15.4, the comfort of the scriptures. When we found the comfort through the scriptures, then we've known the scriptures. If we've come to the scriptures desperate to find hope, Romans 15, four, who through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. When we have found hope through the scriptures, then we've known the scriptures. If we've come to the scriptures lost to be saved, 1 Peter 1.23, 1 Peter 1.23, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but the incorruptible by the word of God, which lives and abides forever. When we've been saved by the scriptures, then we've known the scriptures. If we've come to the scriptures dead to find life, Philippians 2.16, Philippians 2.16, holding forth the word of life. When we found life in the scriptures, then we've known the scriptures. See, these are the ways that we do not fall into the trap of verse 29, err, not knowing the scriptures. Because when we found in the scriptures food for our souls, cleansing for our souls, peace for our souls, companionship for our souls, comfort for our souls, hope for our souls, salvation for our souls, life for our souls, then we've come to know the scriptures and not err. We know the scriptures 
when we have found the scriptures to satisfy our soul's needs. Now, the Lord then now further explains where they erred in not knowing the scriptures when he says in verse 30, verse 30, for in the resurrection they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are as the angels of God. So Christ said, there is no marriage between people in heaven. The Bible teaches us there's only one marriage in heaven. It's the marriage of God's people to Christ. Revelation 21.9, Revelation 21.9, come hither, I will show thee the bride, the lamb's wife. Marriages on earth are temporary for earth only to simply illustrate the permanent state of marriage to Christ in heaven. That's their purpose. So the Sadducees went astray by assuming there was marriage in heaven when there is no marriage in heaven except to Christ. It shows us another principle of the scriptures. Correctly, to correctly know the scriptures, it's important not to assume something is true when the scriptures do not state it. So Christ has dealt with their problem of the marriage in heaven issue, but he doesn't leave it there. Christ now goes on to address their basic problem in not believing in the resurrection of the dead. And he says in verse 31, verse 31, but as touching the resurrection of the dead, that's like Christ the great physician saying, okay, the problem of you not understanding there's no marriage in heaven, that's been dealt with. Now let's move on to your basic problem, which is not believing the resurrection of the dead. And he says something amazing in verse 31, verse 31. Have you not read that which was spoken unto you by God, saying, now he's gonna talk about a conversation that happened between God in the burning bush and Moses hundreds and hundreds of years ago before. And at this point, you can imagine the Sadducees saying to themselves, unto you, you said, I don't remember my names appearing in Exodus 3, 6, when God spoke to Moses from the burning bush. My names were not in that verse. I thought it, that God was speaking to Moses. That wasn't spoken to me, they would say. And Christ would respond, oh, but it was spoken to you. You could just write your name there. Just write your name over that verse, because that verse was spoken to you. Because God spoke that verse to everyone who does not believe in the resurrection of the dead, and that is you. So God spoke that verse to you, and that's why Christ said in Matthew 22, 32, Matthew 22, 32, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. God's not the God of the dead, but the living. He takes one statement, Christ takes one statement that God made to Moses, the burning bush, which we would just kind of gloss over in Exodus 3, 6, Exodus 3, 6. Moreover, he said, I am the God of thy father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, and Moses hid his face and he was afraid to look upon God. We read that passage and we see that was Moses on the backside of a desert. Moses saw a burning bush. God spoke to Moses out of the bush and said, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and we say, okay, that was just God introducing himself, but God says to us, no, wait, did you see it? Was Jesus saying to them, did you see it? Is God saying to us, and we say, see what? And they say, see what? And God says, did you see how and what God said that it showed the truth of the resurrection? We say, I didn't see the word resurrection in that verse, the Pharisees would say, and God says to us, did you see the verb tense? The tense of the verb? And we say, what verb tense? And God says to us, the verb tense am. God says to us, did you see that God says, did you see I did not say I was the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, but I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? We say, oh, I guess I totally missed that. 
But that shows how careful we are to be in examining the scriptures where every word, every verb, every tense is critical. And God points it out to us. And after he does, we say, of course. That's like me saying, I am Cheryl's husband. I can't say that. Cheryl died eight years ago. All I can say is, I was Cheryl's husband because Cheryl died. Only if Cheryl's alive can I say, I am Cheryl's husband because Cheryl's dead. I can only say, I was Cheryl's husband. It's the same with God. If Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob were dead, God would have said, I was Abraham's God, I was Isaac's God, I was Jacob's God. But since God said to Abraham, I am Abraham's God, I am Isaac's God, I am Jacob's God, that means Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are still alive, and therefore they were resurrected from the dead to life. If I said, I am Cheryl's husband, you would say to me, where is she? She must be alive. You said, I am her husband. So by focusing on the verb tense difference between am and was is how we know the scriptures. God never said in the Bible about anyone, I was the God of someone. That means that God is not the God of the dead, but of the living. And their response was, verse 33, verse 33, when the multitude heard that, they were astonished at his doctrine. When they heard that, it was over the top. That was over the top for them. They, they didn't expect that. They walked away saying, I guess I really didn't know the scriptures. And that statement is essential for us as we come to the scripture because that statement means that we wanna know the scriptures. We wanna be ready to learn. We wanna be ready to know the scriptures. To say we don't know the scriptures means that we're open to know the scriptures and that's what God wants to see. So what we see in this passage about knowing the scriptures is that there are seven essentials to know the scriptures, and they are first. Come with no preconceptions. Do not come to the scriptures with a preconceived position like there is no resurrection or that Christ is not God. First, come with no preconceptions. Second, come with no group association. Come with no group association. Do not come to the scriptures tied to a group more tied to Christ which means don't say I am a Baptist and I only believe what the Baptists believe. Like a lady I met in Takati a few years ago, I asked her what she believed. She said, I only believe what the Catholic Church believes. Don't do that. Third, come with soul needs. Come with the needs of your soul. Come to the scriptures with the needs of the soul and use the scriptures to meet the needs of the soul for spiritual food and cleansing and peace and companionship, comfort, hope, salvation and life. Fourth, come with no assumptions. Do not assume something is in the scriptures that the scriptures do not teach, like marriage in heaven. And fifth, come to the scriptures like it was a personal letter. Realize that God speaks through the scriptures to us personally. And in that way, all the scriptures are written to us. And then sixth, come to scrutinize and think through scrutinize every word of the scriptures like verb tenses and think about them. That's how to know the scriptures and the power of God. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for not leaving us alone, Lord, and to know the scriptures. Thank you for your spirit, which helps us, leads us, guides us, teaches us as we wait on you. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. That's P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. That's tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. For more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries.